You are now listening to Out of the Blank. 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 Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. I'm here with Alex Vallalunga. That's right. That's I'm the bearded. I'm the bearded nut. That literally sounded right when it rolled off the tongue, too. That's how I knew I got it correctly. Yeah, man. Great job. They messed that up every year in school, my whole life growing up. That was always a pain in the ass for me, too, because my name's Robbie Robertson. So the teacher always is like, oh, after the guitar player. And I'm like, oh, after your mother. And she just looked at me like, what? I was like, I don't know. I'm, I'm afraid right now. Leave me alone. You should just go by like Rob Squared or something. I just go by Rob with two Bs. And they're like, why the two Bs? And I'm like, because I'm different. And they're like, but why do you want to be different? I'm like, because I wear 50 armbands on my arm because I'm an asshole. <laughs> well, good for you for graduating school, man. Hell yeah. Thank you. I got my degree, but what I really hold is my ordained minister's license under the United Church of Bacon. Outstanding. One of my uh, roommates in college had bacon. He was a chef. He had bacon x tattooed on his arm he used to eat raw bacon he was crazy he used to eat raw bacon he would eat it raw while he was cooking he was crazy isn't that like really bad for your body yeah i never tried it you know trichinosis and stuff but i'd watch him do it oh man i, I mean i've heard of doing crazy things like if you eat raw eggs and stuff i used to do that when i was a kid after i watched rocky balboa and wanted to be like him but i don't know when it comes to, like cooking your food properly that's got to be it's like a big hazard nowadays yeah, I stayed away from, from the raw food like that for sure. That's why I like farming my walnuts. Oh, look at that. You name dropped the All walnuts. natural. Don't even need to cook them. Yep, just eat them right off the ground. Absolutely delicious. Northern California organic walnuts. So why don't you introduce yourself? Stop plugging it modestly and let's just hear it for real. What exactly do you do, Alex? I am uh, most recently, I guess this is my, my third year entering uh, walnut farming. So, uh, I guess to really understand what I, how I got to where I am, I got to give you a little bit of a background of my story first, but currently I'm operating as an organic walnut farmer in uh, Lake County, California. Okay. So, uh, my grandfather, uh, he grew up in San Francisco and he always, he tells me crazy stories of where he grew up. Uh, he actually grew up right across the bay where Alcatraz is. Um, he lived in some small flat apartments and he lived right across the street from Joe DiMaggio. And he always tells me stories of, uh, when Joe DiMaggio was dating Marilyn Monroe. So it was all the Italian neighborhood, I guess, but he grew up there and his whole family, his, his father and his grandfather during world war II, uh, they had a, they bought a food truck and they delivered groceries to all the food stores. Um, so that was made the main uh, family business besides they operated uh, running some small apartments or flats, they called them at the time. Um, and in about, uh, let's see, I think it was 1975, he, uh, he needed to get out of the city. Um, my, uh, his wife, my grandma, was, uh, she's a paranoid schizophrenic. So pretty much to, to take care of his wife, he uh, quit everything he was doing and moved her out of the city up to the country in Lake County, which is 
but not too many people know where this is. It's about two and a half hours north of San Francisco. Um, so he found a, uh, actually her family had a little uh, vacation house up here in a place called Blue Lakes. So they would come up here in the summer. So that's how he knew about Lake County. So seventy. First of all, he uh, went out there to get a little bit more secluded from people. Um, to get away from everybody and just to take care of my of, of uh, my grandma, absolutely. So they, he knew about Lake County. So they found a, he found a, a fifteen acre walnut orchard real cheap and just bought the orchard, and then uh, in a few years he built the house out here, and then during the eighties he uh, I think he bought a, a few more houses. Um, he was farming the walnuts and he bought a few more houses and he was trying to make money off of, uh, off real estate. And he was, he also got a job working at the Safeway as a liquor manager. So he was doing all this. And then, uh, he eventually sold his, his, uh, real estate homes for some more orchard property. Um, so currently we've got four different orchards totaling 57 acres of, uh, organic walnuts. So he operated these walnuts until 2004, which is the first time we officially uh, went organic, by the way, before that, their organic was just up and coming. So until 2004, we were, he was just farming the walnuts. And then in 2004, we started officially doing the uh, organic walnuts. And he was taking care of my grandma and he retired from Safeway. And then uh, in about uh, 2015, my grandma passed away. So he was out here all by himself, just farming the walnuts. Um, and I'm going to rewind now and just pause right there with his story. And I have to give you a little bit of information on my story. Well, to hang let you know on. I got, I got questions. I got questions. Yeah. I got okay, for sure. Questions. For sure. Okay. All right. First of all, when you were saying the schizophrenia thing, was that difficult on, were you around that at any point or did, were you born later? That's a great question. So I was, I was actually, I could have been around it, but I never was. Um, my father moved away. He went into the Air Force Academy, and that's my grandfather's son. Um, so this is on my all my dad's side of the family. In uh, 1976, and he never uh, he never really came back to California. You know, he kept in touch with his parents. He had his own family. So I grew up in Texas um, for the most part. But he he never brought us. Uh, I have two brothers, so he never really brought us brought us boys out here. I never really knew my grandparents growing up at all. So it was a real difficult cold situation um, because my grandmother was very ill yeah i my uh, uh one of my close friends uh his mother was uh schizophrenic and she ended up taking her own life at one point because she uh ended up stopped taking the medication i'm a big mental health advocate. oh my goodness it's uh it's especially something like that it's very very crazy people don't really understand the word they hear how long it is but i mean I've, I used to study chemical dependency in psychology, and I used to um, listen to stories of kids that are like 12 years old that thought King Tut was outside of their house trying to murder them, and they would set the house on fire and all this type of stuff just because of schizophrenia. It's a terrible, terrible illness. But when, when you grew up in Texas, were you, um, were you secluded out there, or were you very close to people? No, I was very close to people. I, I grew up in the public school system. Um, I grew up in athletics my whole life. I grew up in gymnastics and diving, and I... Uh, succeeded very well at those sports and they actually uh, kept me out of trouble and you know I got a college scholarship for diving and everything so um, I was very successful at that. Why didn't you follow that? Why did you pick up the orchard? Why well, did I, you, I, I, I can give you my whole story here in a minute because it's I'll tell you exactly why I didn't. <laughs> I'm good I'm in for a good movie. If we're ready to go there yeah. All right let's do it I'll let's dive in. 
All right, man. Exactly. No splash. Uh, so I uh, grew up in gymnastics, you know, and I think it was about my, well, I was very successful at gymnastics. I was a uh, five-time state champion by the time I was a freshman in high school. And then when I was a freshman in high school, I'd been injured a little bit, and there was no uh, gymnastics team on the high school team. Wait, how'd you get injured? Uh, multiple injuries over gymnastics, too much pounding on the floor, uh, double backflips on the floor, landing short, hurting your ankles, too much. Uh, my, my coach kind of tortured, stretched me a lot. I'm not going to fault him too much because I, I owe my Chinese gymnastics coach everything to this day. I, I believe that I probably had some type of ADHD and without my gymnastics coach kicking me in the ass and thumping my head as a little kid, I wouldn't be in the, the it had the focus that I have yeah. right well, now. Back, back in the day when uh, instead of a participation trophy, you won or you lost, but also people were hard on you to make you better too. I mean, I've had a lot of coaches, at least at the time, I would have been like, hey, fuck you, man. But now I look back on it, I'm like, wow, you actually pushed me to be better. You know, all those runs. Oh, abs- were, were absolutely. I remember leaving practice in tears, but I just used to love going there because I was just so, I don't know, I was really good at it, you know, and I learned I could be successful at it, but man. Well, my Brazilian jiu-jitsu instructor, I remember like after, because I had a bad attitude. I mean, I was playing, I was doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu with my brother. So that was like, you're asking two brothers basically who fight all the time. There's about a four-year difference. I'm younger. So every time, you know, we wrestle or something, we just roll across the floor. My instructor would look at us and he cleared the whole map because me and my brother would just be going at it like brothers would. I mean, throwing each other against the wall, picking up hip toss and all these types of things. And I had a bad attitude when it came to, uh, you know, you know, not giving up. You know, it was always like you just tap. And um, he m- made me run miles due to the point I thought my stomach was going to get thrown up out of my like body. And I mean, that's what you needed, though. That is, and it broke down a lot of that stuff too. I don't remember how many times he's like, "Did you just backtalk me?" And I was like, "No." And he goes, "Are you yelling at me?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And then he would be like, push-ups. I'm like, "Fuck." So my freshman year of high school, I was, you know, rolling in gymnastics. I was injured, um, and then I was, I was sitting in, uh, uh, sitting in my first class, and like the first week of of school, and there was an announcement on the intercom that said, "We need people to try out for the diving team." So I, I really wanted to do a sport that was involved with school and looking, looking forward towards my future. There's not much opportunity in men's gymnastics for scholarships in college. Uh, and there was a little bit more diving. So I decided to try out for the diving team. I, my freshman year, I did diving and gymnastics and I was pretty tough. I struggled in school a little bit. So then I just switched over full time to diving. Um, and then my junior year, I was a state champion. Um, and then my senior year, I was a state champion again uh, in diving in Texas. And then um, I, I received a scholarship to go dive at the University of Arizona. So I went out there and I was the uh, uh, swimming and diving captain my senior year. And I competed out there, Division One diving for four years, which is a pretty awesome experience. And then right along with that, um, I wasn't like the best at school. So I, I got through school with my art degree. Um, so that was great. So I got my my bachelor's in studio art. And I really didn't know what I want to do with my life because I just was involved with athletics my whole life. So naturally I fell into coaching. I picked up uh, some local high schools in Arizona. I was coaching for six high schools. I was coaching for the uh, Tucson club diving team out there for a little bit. And then I was working at the pool as a lifeguard, cleaning the pool, you know, and then I received a phone call from my 
a couple of years later, I received a phone call from my coach in Texas, my old coach, to come back and work for his club. So I decided to move back to Texas. So I moved back to Texas in 2006 from the University of Arizona all the way back to Texas. And then there I was coaching for uh, a club team, uh, springboard and platform diving. And then uh, I met my, my wonderful wife that same year. Uh, we ended up getting married. Uh, we now have two kids and I just wasn't making enough money um, coaching club diving. So I went back to school for a year, got my teacher's degree, uh, got a job for uh, teaching elementary PE. And then I was also the high school diving coach for seven high schools down in San Antonio, Texas. So I did this for six years. Uh, I had morning AM high school practice at 6 AM where I coached seven high schools. And then I would go to elementary school and I coached about a thousand kids a day from kindergarten through fifth grade. And then straight after that, I, had, I uh, would have club diving practice. Um, eventually, I started my own club. I left the club that I was working for. Um, so I still kept doing that. So I even had my own nonprofit club that I started in San Antonio. Well, how did you get from all of this? You literally had a lot here. I mean, you, especially with the diving aspect, too. Like, I, I don't think a lot of people really truly understand the amazing thing about diving, um, mostly because whenever they think of it, it comes to that some uh, 41 music video into deep being at a community pool or something. But it's really enjoyable, like, to see that, like, is it the main thing is not to make a giant splash, but to do perfect kind of arches and land perfectly in the water? Yeah, well, there's there's kind of two types of diving. You got to perform the the basic simple dives, and you got to perform the hard dives, and you got to look good while you do all of it. So yeah, you want to make no splash. You got to be, you know, pretty close to the board. You got to you get judged on how high you jump, but you get judged on how how good you look while you do it too. And then you have to perform the easy dives and the hard dives really well. Um, when I was performing. Nobody ate shit more than me. I can tell you I, I ate shit off of the, uh, the platform and the springboard so many times that I had coaches even ask me to stop practicing my dives. I would just have to go. I would be at a national championships, and I would have to be performing a dive the last time I ate, just ate shit right on my face from 30 feet high. You know, and I couldn't even practice it anymore. Um, my problem was not to get not to get over talk about diving this whole time, but I was – I'm a real fast spinner. So it, it took me forever to, to learn how to spot, they call it, or see while you're spinning. Um, so to, to fast forward, after eating shit, I mean, I did succeed a lot in, in diving. You know, I was a state champion, but I ate, nobody ate shit more than me. So, you know, to succeed, you just got to keep getting up. You got to fail to succeed. So I just decided that I wanted to put all my knowledge and all my talent into helping others. So that's why I really, really got into coaching because I didn't have to be out there performing in front of people anymore. I had all this information and knowledge and I could just help someone else do it. And all the pressure was on them and it's off of me kind of situation. So I really excelled at coaching too. Um, I've coached two state champions. I was a state champion coach of the year uh, in Texas also. So boom, all of a sudden what happened in my life, I'm going to go where I am now. My, it's 2015. I'm coaching. My hair's falling out because I'm just coaching – thousand kids a day man I got competitions all over the place I have my own family I'm trying to take care of I've never seen my own kids I'm Mr. Community you know and then I get a phone call from my grandpa that says I, I, I want you to come out here and, and, and help me with the orchard because grandma died I can't do it and, and your dad 
wants to sell it all. So my wife and uh, my wife and I just really talked about it in 2015 and 2016 for about a year and a half, about a year and a half. And we, we really couldn't take quitting all my, everything I worked for my whole career, you know, and just moving to California, especially when I was in a state of Texas where it's a lot cheaper to live. And at the time, everyone's moving from California to Texas. And I was thinking about going the other way. But my grandpa has all this land. So uh, long story short, my wife's parents ended up getting divorced of 35 years. Ironically, in a weird way, this freed us because we were so close to our parents helping us with our young kids. So her mom was able to to do whatever now. So we just decided that we're all going to move to California and I'm going to, I'm going to quit my career and everything. And I'm, I'm we're going to save the family land and I'm going to become a walnut farmer. So in 2000 and 2017 in June, we, I finished my last year teaching. We, I uh, was able to sell my house, turn around, made about 60 grand on it. I bought a fifth wheel trailer. I pulled it all the way out here to Lakeport, California, right next beside my grandpa's house. Um, and then that's where we live for two years. And I've been farming walnuts. It's crazy how life kind of turns out. I always wondered like what would happen if I didn't grow up in a beach town, if I didn't grow up because you had something a little bit different than what I did. Me, I was born in a beach town. Both my parents were radio broadcasters. You know, it, it, I mean, it makes sense. I kind of fell into a little bit of the podcasting a little bit, but I've been trying to find my way for so long. And it seems like when you look so hard for something, trying to make your own name for yourself, you end up falling back to the beginning that was always in front of you the whole time. Yep. You know, and I, I, I really love how stuff like that happens. You know, I just I like to believe it, uh, you know, Good thing, good things happen to good people who try real hard if you're just patient for it and things just kind of happen for a reason, you know, and you just kind of got to take it. You got to seize them. Well, life has these moments where it's like everything is like a puzzle piece, like it's all fitting together perfectly the exact way it's supposed to happen. I know people sometimes say like, no, life's just random and all this thing. It is random, but usually it always works out in the end, even though sometimes- I definitely, I like that analogy. I definitely agree with that puzzle piece analogy. That's a great way to say it. Well, I mean, life is just, it has its ups and its downs, but it feels like at one moment you're like, it took all to get here. I remember I've had some dark times. Probably you've had some dark times yourself. And when you look, when you look back at those moments, you're like, I wouldn't ever trade any of those in because they exactly. got you to where you're at today. Exactly. I'm not going to tell you about those dark times and everyone's got things to go through, but that's exactly where I am today. And I'm so thankful for everything that's happened, you know, and I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be where I'm at here today with everything that's happened, including all those hard times. You got to learn from everything. Just like I was telling you about eating shit in my diving, you know, nobody ate shit more than me, but you can't be successful. I, I couldn't be a state champion. Unless I just kept getting back up and trying harder again, you know, you got to fail to succeed. Even to quote my uh, poster that was always hanging above my head by my desk in school, it was Yoda saying, do or do not, there is no try. And 
it's true. I mean, if you, you sit there, you're afraid of failure, you're afraid of being hurt, you're afraid of doing all this stuff, you're never going to get better because the person that steps back onto the diving board, in your case, and keeps doing it over and over again, even though they know they're just going to eat shit, it's, you're the one that has all the credit because you're just going to keep getting better and better and better. That's why I was always so happy when my coach, maybe at the time I was upset with him, but when he was pushing me harder, telling me, you know, you got to get better, you're bad at this, you're bad at that. Because it made me improve. It forced me it, to grow, and, it, and I love that. It, exactly, and it builds confidence and self-character, you know, and then it, and you go out there and you can take what you learn from the sport, apply it to the real world because you're going to run, you're going to confront your fear out there, you know, and in a sport like of diving, the best way I could help those kids is I just learned, I, I just taught them to confront their fear every day so they learn how to confront it, you know, because you're going to go out there and it's going to be hard in the real world when you get out of high school. Not everybody gets the job, you know? I was always kind of questioning when we joined the podcast or whatever. When you when you came on, I saw your Instagram name's The Bearded Nut. And I was like, why do they call him that? But then you had your video on and I saw you had a giant beard and you farm nuts. And I was like, I see now. So I've reinvented myself since I've moved to California. I'm now The Bearded Nut. In my former life of coaching, I actually was never allowed to have any facial hair. So this is the first time in my life I've had a beard. I've had to have short hair my whole life, and it's kind of fallen out. So now I'm growing what I got left, and I'm on about three years of no haircut. So it's feeling amazing. What have you kind of learned about just the nut farm in general? Like, where, you turn them into syrups? Do you turn them into beard oils? Well, before we get to there, let me tell you, when I moved to California and decided to become a walnut farmer, I left the teaching profession thinking that I knew a lot, you know, I mean, I, I thought I knew so much about life, you know, and then I showed up here in California and I didn't know a damn thing. And I kind of still feel like that going into my third season right now. If I don't learn something every day out here, I am totally going to fail. I have to be a jack of all trades. I'm learning to be a mechanic. I got to learn to be a farmer. I got I mean, it's everything out here. I didn't know a damn thing when I got here. So it's super exciting that, I mean, it's kind of scary, but it's exciting for me because, you know, I like to learn. So I just got to, I'm paying attention to the other farmers. I've made a lot of friends. Um, but let me get into the walnut thing. So, you know, I've learned a little bit about farming the walnuts. Now I'm going into my third season. So the way our farm operates is I get a, we, we, uh, I, I am certified through uh, CCOF Organics, so I have to abide by all their rules to make sure we've got an organic farm. And I actually, I apply nothing on these trees. Um, and uh, let me back up even further. So well, hold on, our, our is, orchard, that, is that what makes it organic? Is that you, I'm gonna have a lot all, of questions. So you, yeah, we, we, I know you're gonna you're, have a you're, lot. You're gonna you're gonna have to let me ask these questions. So you got to stop. Every so organic. Of times. Organic doesn't mean that you don't do anything to it. Organic means that you're, you're using organic ap approved and applied practices. Um, so like no pesticides or anything on top of pesticides, the tree. Exactly right. So I use no sprays at all. Um, and the orchard that I'm farming um, was planted in 1926. And out here in Lake County, um, in the 1880s, they used to do a lot of cattle. And uh, I think they, that's when they started uh, pears and walnuts and grapes. So the walnuts and the pears and grapes, the turn of the century kind of has been the thing out here. Um, lately, since the 1980s, grapes has, you know, been the real, real big thing. So what you've been seeing is a lot of these old walnut orchards being torn out. 
all of the pear orchards are being torn out and a lot of vineyards. I mean, there's a lot of vineyards. Uh, most recently, they're even ripping out vineyards now because hemp is the biggest thing. And we could talk about that in a minute. But anyway, I'm a walnut farmer. I love my walnuts and I decided to learn about the nuts and keep the nuts going because I've found out that I have some pretty unique nuts. Um, <laughs> no pun intended. Pun is intended. But, yeah, always. My nuts were planted, these trees were planted in 1926. And the orchard that I'm sitting on, most of these trees are called Poe walnuts. Um, after the guy who invented or, or, uh, or what do you call it, air layered or whatever, he, he created the tree. He bred the tree um, after his name was Oscar Poe sometime in the early 1900s. So he took a black walnut rootstock, a, a native California black walnut tree, um, which is Juglans californicus, I think, if you want to be precise. And he took that, and nobody knows exactly what he crossbred to get the Poe walnut with. But he made this English walnut graft on top of it. And I have these walnuts called Poe po walnuts. And these walnuts only exist in, as far as I know, and from everybody I've talked to, but they only exist in Lake County, California, out of anywhere in the world. Um, and unfortunately, since, uh, since it's been 100 or so years since they've had this type of English walnut, you know, um, people have created newer types of walnuts that go with the markets and trends a lot more. So the Poe's never made it. And the reason why is because they're closest to the black walnuts and the native black walnuts have a very, very hard shell. You can't even crack the shell unless you got a hammer. The Poe walnuts, the shell is so hard that it resembles just like the black walnuts. So what's happened is over time, People don't like the hard shell walnuts. They've bred that out. They've bred, they make thinner shelled walnuts. So the, the nut ratio inside the walnut is heavier. The meat ratio is denser. So you're going to get paid more for your nuts. So there's newer varieties out there now. Um, I don't have only Poe's. I have some older varieties too called Frankettes. And you'll see a lot of Frankettes out there still. And those Frankette walnuts also exist. They exist uh, maybe only here in, northern california but the poes are specific only to lake county the trends you see today the nuts that most people farm are called chandlers and then they've got a few newer ones uh dorums and tuleries and then they even have a red nut called the livermore that's you know pretty pretty fascinating um and then another big one since the 80s since the 60s maybe has been the hartley so when you farm your walnuts um you know, I, I got two choices when I farm. Well, I got special nuts. I've decided I have special nuts. But when I sell my nuts, they they weigh them. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hold on. Man. I know, man. I'm I trying to hold it, it in. And I'm not trying to be I like can't. I'm 12. I but can't the, help it. I know. the way you're dropping, it's like I got special <laughs> nuts, different types of varieties of nut. I'm like, dude, you're a nut. Holy crap. That's, dude, that's why life, it, like you said, it's all a puzzle. It all makes sense. I'm absolutely a nut. And I fell right into it. So you sell your nuts and then they weigh the meat and you get your check for the percentage of, of, of yield of meat after your nuts are cracked out. So when they weigh all my nuts, my shells weigh more than most other people's nuts. So my check isn't as much as like a lot of other walnuts that are out there because my meat yield is a little bit less. But if you come out here and you taste my nuts, Oh my God, I have the best tasting nuts. Sorry, man, I had to drop another one. Right. 
All right, hang these on. Po these these poe nuts are the butteriest. They produce the most oil, and and I just think they're special. So what I figured out is I'm gonna focus on the oil because I'll explain to you in a minute how much I'm busting my ass, how hard it is, how many walnuts I harvest of these walnuts, and then and then how I just break even. Alex, so, I'm gonna kick you in the nuts <laughs> if you don't let me ask a question here. Yeah. Okay. All right. When it comes to just the whole nut farming process in general, now it, before we get into extracting them into oils and stuff, when we talk about the um, pesticides and being 100% organic, now for a normal person, them eating a regular walnut or something, they're not going to probably taste the pesticides. Where in your case, you'd be able to know if there was pesticides played on it because you've been so involved around them in general. Yes. Yes. I'm going to know that. And then no one's going to be able to taste that because with the walnut, they exist inside of a shell and then inside of that shell there's a hole around the nut too so they're actually double protected in nature well then where do peanuts come from does do we grow those right yeah they grow their legumes and they grow underground actually Oh, see, because what really got me interested in, um, first of all, the reason why I stayed away from Mr. Peanut in general, which I'm going to ask you this um, too, uh, like a most memorable nut story, I should say, maybe not about your own, like maybe when you're 14 discovered masturbation or something, but more on the lines of like, no, I might have been like 11, but yeah, damn, you got it early. I figured it I out know, late man. to the game. <laughs> huh, okay. Well, but, like peanuts, I was never a fan of just anything like that. Maybe if it was in a candy, that'd be okay. But and like maybe peanut butter creamy, but my brother for Christmas would always get um, honey roasted peanuts. And I never understood why, but they're very, very cheap now compared to where they were back in the day. But, you know, going to a baseball game, eating those peanuts, those memories you have with those, they've been a giant influence into our history for a very, very long time. Oh, absolutely. The, the, pe the peanut is the probably, you know, the biggest, nuts even though i'm not sure it's a nut but the biggest influence in the nut group out there i feel like um i watched the show american dad i don't know if you've ever seen it but there was a giant episode where um there was a peanut controversy and they thought like everything was linked up to the illuminati that caused me to look at mr peanut a lot differently I mean, <laughs> it, it, it threw in my mind. I was like, these things have been around forever. Like they always say George Washington Carver was the one that invented um, peanut butter. No, he just found a use. He didn't actually invent it. Like there's a just bunch like, of. Yeah, just it, like Thomas Edison, you know, he had people working for him too. So history is just. Uh, he also had it, people in his basement that no one knew about. So let's just throw yep. that out there. He had people buried in his backyard because of. um. He was uh, doing something with bones. He was studying the bones, uh, doing some uh, tests on them or something. So he'd rob graves and put bones back there. That sounds about right. Well, that's a man that had a kite and a key. I guess what happens after that, you usually go batshit nuts. Am I right? Yep, absolutely. Look up your history, folks. Well, even when it comes to the idea, like what's your most memorable like nut memory, I would say, whether it was like a certain experience of being on the farm, seeing a sunset or a sunrise, like those are the, when we talk about our lives being different, that was what I would want. I would love to own an orchard out in the country somewhere and be able to truly experience life in the beautiful moments. I used to camp all the time. And 
dude, you don't know what it's like waking up on a sunrise on a nice open field with a few trees, the sun just showing up above the trees, crackling through the light, hitting your face, the smell of fresh dew in the morning. So many kids don't know that now. And if they do, it's only for a brief moment from walking to the bus stop and freezing their ass off. That's why I'm so fortunate and so blessed. And I owe everything to my grandpa. I gotta say that too, but to be where I'm at, cause that's exactly where I am, you know? I mean, I'm right now I'm standing looking at about 250 walnut trees. I'm surrounded by mountains. I can hear cars driving in the road behind me, but just barely. And I'm not looking at anything else. I can see Kendall Jackson Winery off in the distance on my right where he started his wine right there. So it's just absolutely beautiful where I'm at. There's nobody here. So what's your most memorable moment? The one moment that really sticks the out to your head? Well, for me, it's a little different because it's personal, but when I was a real little kid, I used to have night terrors about Donald Duck and Chip and Dale cartoons for some reason. And fast forward to today, I'm farming walnuts. To me, I'm going crazy over these damn squirrels that are stealing all my nuts. And I feel just like Donald Duck in those old farmer cartoons. So it's just, well, that's Donald, like Donald Duck's a scary motherfucker, dude. You don't have to, try yeah. and, you don't have to try and explain that to me. I mean, <laughs> I gave that and Pee Wee Herman for some reason gave me nightmares when I was a kid. Yeah, I was a little bit older than you, but I remember. I, I think I saw the first Pee Wee Herman and I was like, man, this guy's stupid. He's got a magical house that talks to him. Heart, you said the magic word. I'm like, hey, that, no, that sounds just no. like him, man. No, no, thank you. I'm good. But uh, <laughs> see, like these moments, though, like you probably got to experience so much just being around it in general, but have you decided to maybe change it up? Like what have you really added to this, the company in general or your family business since when you started? Well, yeah, that's where I'm going to tell you. So, you know, when you, when you, I, last year I farmed, uh, let's see, I farmed five orchards, four of them were ours. And I negotiated a deal with the orchard behind us that has been abandoned for a long time. So I farmed that one too. And I helped my neighbor farm his 50 acre orchard too. So we farmed well over a hundred acres well over a thousand monster trees and I only hit about 30,000 pounds of walnuts and we handpick all these walnuts and I can tell you how we do that in a minute but we were down about 75 percent from the the previous two years so before that I hit 40,000 and then about 45,000 pounds my first year so I take all these nuts they have to get uh, they have to get dried and then they have to get trucked down to the company I sell them to. So I use the, there's a guy here in town, Lon Roth, I'll drop some names. So he drives my nuts and trucks them all the way down to Winters, California for me. And then the company Dixon Ridge Nut Company, they purchase my nuts from me. And then it's my understanding that most all of the organic nuts that are sold, which organic walnuts only grow in California out of anywhere in the world, all of the organic walnuts, most of them are sold overseas to Japan, India, and China in shell in bulk for the variety of walnut that I have because it has a thicker shell. So all the Poe's and the Franquettes, I got uh, last year, my price per pound for walnuts was $1.50 per pound. So I turned in 30,000 pounds of walnuts. Now you can see how much money my entire farm made off of all that harvest in one year. And that's not enough to survive on. Well, why exactly did they export those nuts there instead of doing it here in America? Is that because they're not that because popular? there's yes, because we it's not there is no my daddy drinks the blue diamond almond milk commercial on TV. We need the walnut milk on TV. 
We need the walnuts on TV. We need walnuts in the cookies. We just need more advertising and more awareness about walnuts. And if you look it up, there's, there's over 10, I think 13 um, tremendous health benefits that are scientifically proven that come from eating walnuts. Well, nuts increase your testosterone. I mean, not, no pun intended there, and as many puns as we can do about nuts, but I didn't understand that. I'm a big fitness freak, so when I hear fats, my brain immediately thinks, don't need those things. So I try no, to be – walnuts, yeah. walnuts are full of omega-3s and omega-6s. Exactly. I know. I, I'm good with nutrition. Let me get there, okay? Good. You told a story. <laughs> I'm going to tell one. But when it comes hey, man, you are, you are super educated for your age, Rob. That is outstanding, man. You might want to uh, – well, I studied uh, nutrition for a while, but you'll probably, if you listen back to some of my episodes – I don't you'll, you'll mean to be putting down – I'm not putting down the younger generation. I'm sorry. I'm 37. I'm hip and I'm cool. I love all my – Every person I've ever talked to in a podcast has told me I'm, I sound like I'm 80 in a podcast because there are some out there that will make you be like, that's not the same person. Yeah, but, you're going to sound older than me. When it comes to nutrition, though, I when I joined, first of all, going to the gym, I've been going, and I'm going to say it again for everybody listening out there, so fuck you, I'm proud of it. I've been going every day for seven years and have not missed a day. So I learned to study the whole anatomy of the body, the muscular system, the nervous system, and then even the mental brain was one of probably my favorite things. I, I hope you're alternating your your uh, workouts there otherwise yeah, i'm not destroying just, yourself i'm not just doing chest day every day you know okay, seven I'm, days a week is a little intense you gotta have days of rest rob look i'll send you a picture of my six pack and we'll beg to argue okay <laughs> hey, I, haven't done abs since, I haven't done abs since i was in diving and gymnastics and my six pack will kick your six packs ass <laughs> i don't know about that but um like for a while when i was going like twice a day too um hey man, 84 sit-ups in one minute and that was my record Okay. Well, sit-ups don't always make abs either. So. <laughs> we're not, we're not going to argue about this, Alex. Let me get on to my, what I was saying. But what really good advice came by my way was when I was just working out and learning all about the exercises, my bodybuilding manager, Chuck, literally told me, he was like, you can work out your body as much as you want, but your mind will never get stronger. And that's how you complete a full system. So when he was saying that, I started to educate myself a little bit on the nutritional value of all the foods, not just looking at the calories, the protein intake that I've been looking at for so long, such as like fish, a can of tuna is 90 calories and it's 20 grams of protein um, with 0.5 grams of fat. So I looked at that and I was memorizing all these things and learning about it the wrong way. You start to realize your body needs more than that. I mean, I was going, if you really want to crack a nut reference, I was going eight months, nine months without even having to masturbate, nothing. I would have no basically testosterone, no actual, you know, that drive that a lot of guys or whatever have to do anything because I wasn't putting essential fats in my body. When wow. I didn't, yeah. I can't, I've never felt like that in my life. Literally, oh my I was planning the shit out. I swear to you. I would tell my cousin, I'm like, look, you guys have to stay out of the house. And he's like, why? I'm like, I need to do this. And I haven't done it in nine months. He's like, you're literally planning your jack off sessions. I was like, yeah, I know. And um, my doctor was like, your body must probably burn off all your testosterone while you're in the gym, which I was doing for two hours every single day and still doing it. And he goes, just incorporate something different. Maybe try a different diet. See if you can get some meats in you. Cause I was just not really eating red meat that much. And um, so I started eating trail mix, mostly like, you know, get, you obviously got to go for the M&M that's in there. I mean, come on. It's always had, always had the peanuts and almonds and you never get the walnuts, but yep, the trail mix. But um, I would get the Southern style that had like the, the crisp sticks to it, the Cajun sticks, um, the little, uh, 
rice checks pieces. It was like a more of a Southwest style, but they had walnuts in there and they had almonds and cranberries. What was really interesting though, was after two months of eating those, like a handful, every meal, every day, I ended up getting my testosterone back and I was getting more aggressive when it came to like just workouts in general, having more power. And I, I looked it up and there was a link to the correlation between testosterone and the amount of fat that you consume. Your body needs essential fats to produce testosterone. That's a whole nother thing I've never even heard about the health benefits of walnuts. The 13 others I was talking about, it's not even the testosterone thing. So well, absolutely. Look, if you ever want to, instead of maybe not try Viagra, try eating a walnut for like a month. Yeah. Yeah. I ain't got no problem. I got a hot wife and I'm happily married, bro. Because you work on a walnut farm. You eat walnuts exactly. all day. Exactly. Well, what are the 13 benefits you would say besides? Off the top, off the top of my head, uh, I mean, I'll just tell you first, when I'm out here, especially during harvest, I'm out in the, in the field all day. And if I don't have, a lot of times I'm not prepared. I'm just out there working. I didn't pack my lunch or nothing. You know, I go with no breakfast, no lunch, but I'm eating the walnuts that are on the ground. And I've found that with a little bit of honey, I got honey out here too. So honey and walnuts, I'll get through a whole day and that's all I need. I feel so satisfied just from a few walnuts. Um, so the, the things that they'll do for you is they'll leave you satisfied without eating too many calories. Oh, hold on. It's, I'm going to, I'm going to break that down for you. What you just said, the whole yep. eating the walnut thing, you know why that is, right? Why? Because of the fats that are in it. Oh, See, the, the, yeah. Because of the omega threes and the omega sixes. Exactly. Because it's just, but the sensation that you get of being full is incredible and off, off of the amount of walnuts. That's why um, if you ever look at portion servings, when they have trail mix, it's a very, like very small handful amount. Like it's a little, like basically a 50 cent coin in your hand of like nuts. And the reason why is because they're very, very high in calories, but they're very, they're like, they have a lot of fat in them, which causes them to be slow digesting proteins, things like milk, red meat, all these things, they digest slowly in your body. So you're full for longer. If you eat like a handful of trail mix, which is recommended for as a snack, it's because it's supposed to hold you over for a long extended period of time. They're also good. Like people that do the all fat diets where you eat avocado, whatever, those are a lot of calories, but they're, they're essential fats. They're stuff that your body uses and burns like a machine. Exactly. And, and uh, besides that, the, uh, walnuts are also rich in antioxidants. Um, they, they provide a, a natural source of vitamin E in the walnuts also. Um, well, uh, it, uh, and they also, uh, it, it promotes a healthy colon and a healthy gut. Um, and especially when I, when I make my walnut oil and I'm, I mean, I use it to cook with, I'll drink it by itself. I mean, I got a CBD walnut oil. I got all kinds of stuff. I'll tell you about Rob, my beard oil, but the walnut oil is delicious. So when I eat it, I got to be careful. I don't have too much because it just cleans out my colon. I mean, holy shit. <laughs> so I mean, bro it, i got uh, ibs sounds like i could use that dude, thing. yeah well you yeah it might i mean you got to be you know it probably helps it'll get rid of all the if you got little seeds and diverticulitis you know stuff stuck inside your intestines the walnut oil will scrape it out of you well another good thing about walnuts too that i used to do like you want to talk about bacteria um in, in the gut first of all our body's a whole giant ecosystem of germs and healthy and even even bad bacteria um, you need some of like, you know, I saw the dumbest thing at my gym. Some dude took one of those Clearox wipes, the 99.9% .9 germ killers. And he started wiping his whole face with it. And I'm like, dude, you're killing essential freaking bacteria that is on your body. There's a reason 
all good. Most of the bacteria that gets wiped off your skin when you wash your hands, a lot of it's really good stuff. And it basically cleanses you, but it makes you very vulnerable to getting easier infections. But with Exactly. And kind of like when you wash your hair, that's why I got my beard oil. You know, I mean, washing the shampoo, it strips all that stuff out of there. So I found the walnut oil just nourishes and soaks that back up. So it'll, it, it helps that process. Well, what's really strange is the fact that stores don't really sell walnuts like they used to. I don't know how many times I used to be a little kid and walk into the store, whether it was like Christmas time is maybe when you'll see them again. But in my Walmart, they would have walnuts, chestnuts, all these things laying out for people to try. You know, you, you grab one, put it in. I used to work at Walmart like a long, like six years ago or something. I used to take one of those things in my pocket while I was stocking shelves and just eat one. But the weird thing is how they decrease inflammation. Um, I noticed after a workout, if I had a handful of like walnuts or something, I mean, inflammation is one of the main causes when it comes to like blood pressure, stress, all these different types of diseases that we have. But the things, the, the, God damn it. I, I don't know if it's polyphenols, polyphenols. I feel that's, like that's like the, uh, the polyphenols is like the, uh, the off tasting substances. Well, it's, in, uh, it's, it's in, it's in the, you, you get them in like. Oh, it's in the walnut, the polyphenols. I like them when they're in beer, sour beer sometimes, it's polyphenols. Um, the, well, the polyphenols and walnuts can actually help fight stress and inflammation. If I eat those after a workout when my body's in a repair status, it uses uh -oh. it as a benefit. Also, increasing testosterone. People that eat those all-fat diets, it helps with their testosterone. People are like, if you're going to eat fat, you're going to get fat. Well, the hardest thing in a workout to burn off is fat. The first thing your body burns is carbs. The second thing it burns off is protein. The third thing it burns off is fat. That's why a lot of people fast before they do a workout. But if you eat a small handful of fats and you just have a stick to a fat diet, you increase your testosterone, which overall produces more muscular, you know, buildup, all these different types of things that are very, very responsible for recovery. Oh, absolutely. And then uh, besides this increase of testosterone, uh, a couple other things that I remember the walnuts can do for you is they support healthy aging. So it almost reverses the aging process. And then they're also, uh, they support good brain function. So they're really great for uh, like, I don't know if, you know, it's not going to cure Alzheimer's or stuff like that. But if you're having memory problems and stuff, the walnuts definitely help with clarity. Well, it helps with fighting Alzheimer's too. That gets caused by stress. But that really brings up a really good question to the main point that was really brought up in the beginning about your grandfather. Do you think he decided to start a nut farm on the concept of that his wife was dealing with schizophrenia? Absolutely not. I think... Uh, that was just a coincidence? Yeah, it was just a coincidence. I think he just walked out here. He got a good deal on a, a, a nice piece of land. And I mean... I wonder Lake if that County, helped, though. Nobody, nobody really knows where Lake County, California is. I can go an hour and a half south straight down into Napa, and half of them have never even heard of Lake County. And if they have, I get a smug look because Lake County is the poorest county in California, you know? So I'm in a weird place out here. We never even had the, – the railroad never even hit Lake County still to this day. Well, that's a good thing too. You, I mean, even though it's kind of hard to do a podcast, it's still fun because you're out and so secluded from the world. I mean, the that's why I love where I'm at. Exactly. Yeah. I, so, I, would, I would definitely, if I had the ability to, I would get a small cabin somewhere out in like the Valley and I would just set up a podcast thing and, you know, pay for some good internet. But I would want to be so far away from the world just on the fact that like, I remember going to Hawaii and my grandma who uses a inhaler her whole life having, you know, asthma. When we went to Hawaii, she didn't touch it once. The world 
where there's a lot of people and it's cities being built and overpopulation every single oh, day. Oh, it's especially. a different, it's a different feeling with your health and, and your environment. Absolutely. It makes a difference in the quality of how you feel mentally every day where you live with, there's a lot of people there or not, I think for sure. And you can't even like look up at like in my town, if you try and look up at stars, you'd see satellites because you can't see them anymore because all the smog and everything. But if you look uh, out to where you're at, you can look up and see the perfect sky every single night. I have, there's not even street lights out here every night oh yeah i mean it's bad if you're gonna get murdered but whatever well yeah and that's the other thing you got to be careful who you know out here there is a lot of crime and there's a lot of people hiding out so you know it's like i'm uh living out here in the old west but i really love it i'm just i'm trying to keep the walnuts going in in a time when cannabis is coming legal and everybody's trying to get into the hemp and grapes have been king for 30 years and now grapes aren't even selling and people don't even know what to do with the grapes and it's just, it's kind of a, a green rush time right now, but I think, you know, there's so much health and so much history with the nuts that I have, and they're so special that I, I think I'm betting on my walnuts, and I'm going to keep them going, so I'm planting more trees, I'm trying to graft these old varieties this year, I'm trying to teach myself how to graft, you know, learn something every day, but I want to, I want to tell you about how hard it is to farm these damn walnuts, if we're ready for that yet. Okay. <laughs> Teach me about how hard it is to farm. Yeah. So modern walnut farms, what they, orchards, what they do, because the valley in Sacramento Valley area, all the way from, uh, I don't know, like two hours south of Sacramento, all the way north up to Chico and Redding is just full of walnuts, almonds and walnuts. I mean, millions of trees, millions of trees. And all of these trees are planted 15 feet apart maybe even 10 feet apart some of them and these monster orchards these new little varieties of trees um you know they only grow so tall they're all the same clone they're all the same trees and then you see them in about every i don't even know how many years but every so often they'll just rip the whole orchard out and then they just plant a whole nother one so this is the modern walnut farming and what they do is they have machines that come in you know, they shake the trees, they shake all the nuts, then they sweep them into rows, and then they got a machine that comes and scoops them all up. So you use machines for everything except for picking up this, the dead wood that falls out of the trees. That still has to be done by hand. Now, where I'm at in walnut farming, these trees that I'm looking at right now are planted 50 or 60 feet apart, and they are monster trees. The black walnut skirt or base some of them is, I mean, two or three times as tall as I am, um, where the graft starts on the tree. So what they did is they planted these black walnuts, they get the English variety, and they pretty much just stick it in the tree. Um, they must have let these trees grow really big before they grafted them. And because they were planted so far apart, they got really big. Now, originally, this, this orchard that I'm looking at right now has been dry farmed since 1926 until my grandfather got here. And in about 2000, he tried to interplant some younger trees and he put in the watering system and there's been just a little bit of water on the orchard since then, but not much. So these almost 100 year old walnut trees have been completely dry farmed and they're still living. And what dry farming means is they only rely on rain, that's it. So it's amazing to me that I have these giant walnut trees still producing the tastiest nut I've ever tasted, but I don't get that much money for it. So I'm just spinning in my head, you know, with these ideas on what to do. That's why I've created my beard oil and, you know, I'm pressing the walnut oil and 
all this stuff. But anyway, harvesting the nuts. So I have a 1985 FMC walnut shaker. It's pretty much a, a, a John Deere engine and tractor, and it's a three-wheeler. It's got a wheel in the back, two wheels in the front. So it's like I'm driving around a, a Mad Max uh, machine with a big crab claw on the front. Um, the front boom, it squeezes together, it tilts up and down, and it rotates side to side. And it reaches way up high. So on these uh, huge monster walnut trees that I've got, I can't shake the trees at the very bottom of the trees like how they, sh how they do these newer orchards where the trees are smaller. My trees are huge, so I have to reach way up high in the trees and find the right place that I can get the arm into. And some trees, I might have to shake four or five different limbs per tree just to try to get the nuts off of that. So I have to reach way up there in this thing, and I mean, it just shakes the hell out of the tree. And these trees are so old that probably, I'd say 20% of the tree falls down on top of, of the shaker on the ground. I mean, boom, 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 sticks, logs, twigs, branches, every size. It's pretty freaky. So I just go around, and I make a mess. And if I did it all day long, I could probably shake about my whole orchard, 250 trees in one day. And I would just have the biggest mess you'd ever see just on the ground. Um, if, I did it that, if I did it that way, unfortunately, the squirrels are going to get them all, so I can't do it that way. So I got to operate row by row. So what was your question? Have you tried even maybe adapting to newer techniques, like maybe using like one of those vacuum trucks that are able to suck the walnuts off the tree without being able to break the branches in the individual way? Or do you feel like that would mess up the kind of the fun and the really the old school process of it? Well, I, I've never, I've actually never seen this vacuum truck where you reach up into the trees like that. That sounds like it would take. I think all, I saw it on a Willy Wonka day. movie. But yeah, that's I don't think that's real. I they pictured have, this giant, like one of those like fire trucks that hold the water, like back in the day. I picture one of those trucks, but instead it's a vacuum and it's some dude sitting on it like a 50 gun cal turn and he's just sucking off walnuts off trees. <laughs> I don't think that's real. That would be it would take way too long. Just the put nuts, Kim Kardashian on the front. The amount of nuts that are on the tree. Oh yeah, exactly. Just you just need a sonic boom of bass, I thought, and it would knock all those nuts right off. The Dude, what they, let's get Leonard Skinner back. Boom. But what they used to do to shake the nuts off the trees is they just had long poles with a hook on the end, and you just grab each limb and you just shake them. And maybe even the kids used to climb the trees and throw them down. I'm not sure. But so they've got these machines that shake the trees now, and I've got one of those. So I am up with the times on how I shake my trees. It's just more difficult because I have monster trees. So once you shake part of it, I have to drive around and, and I've got little sweepers that sweep the nuts out of the way, you know, but the more I drive around one tree, the more risk there is that I'm crushing all my nuts and I can't crush my nuts. So it does not feel good. Trust me. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. So we got all this dead wood on the ground. I hold mean, on. Hold on. I got to ask. Do you know what it feels like to sit on your nuts? It's not fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. When I was a kid, I got in a, a bad bike crash and I, one of my nuts went up inside in my stomach for a while. So that is extremely painful. Are you serious? Like it actually went up there? Yeah, it was missing for a few days. Dude, there was a kid in my school that ran track and he got testicular torsion. I, I, I've heard of that and I knew a kid that had that too. It sounds like the fucking nightmare. Man. I wore literally, you know how people say boxers briefs and they have the sports things. I wore those because I was running around in basketball shorts and those things are clacking like clackers down the road, dude. You're freaking, this yeah. kid had a deep voice too. Like very like, I'm how you doing? And he was like young. 
And I was like, whoa. And he told me like he had to go to the hospital and get him untwisted. I was like, all right, I'm done. This sports is not that important. <laughs> man, sounds like the same story that happened to my friend. Life's a journey, so, my brother. Now go back yeah, to your nuts story. So I got a mess on the orchard. Like, and, and the next step in any, any walnut harvest is you got to pick up the sticks. So, and that's all done by hand. There isn't a little robot that goes around and picks up the sticks. So it's all bend over to the ground and pick up the sticks. And I mean, every size stick has to be picked up. Every stick. And then you got to put them somewhere out of the way. So you're just out there picking up millions of sticks because the whole harvest, I harvest about, I harvest over a thousand trees, over 1,200 trees. And every tree just has, I mean, one tree could have a hundred sticks. One tree could have a thousand sticks. So you got a whole crew and I'll tell you about the crew situation, but you got to stick it after you stick it. Then you got leaves all over the ground. You can't see the nuts. So this is where the modern orchards, they've got machines that come through and sweep and they, uh, they, they blow all the leaves out of the way and then they sweep windrows, what they call them with the nuts. And I've actually uh, brought back to life some 1980s harvesters and sweepers that my grandpa has. So I'm in, um, I, I operated a little bit with machines on the home orchard this year. So I am trying to save some of the hand picking. Um, but we have, we have orchards up on Mount Kanaktai, which is a volcano and the land is pretty steep up there. So there's no way you could, you can use these machines up there. It all has to be handpicked because of, of the conditions. Um, and it's, it's, it's crazy when I drive the shaker up there to shake those trees. But anyway, back to the hand picking. So we've got all the leaves on the ground. Well, what we do is I get a guy with a backpack blower, strap it on your back, and then you blow all the leaves. You walk a perimeter around the tree and you blow as hard as you can, everything into the tree. And then you walk around the base of the tree and you blow, you blow it all out. So you're left with kind of like a, a donut. A ring is around each tree. And then you can lightly blow off all the leaves and you have this perfect ring of walnuts. All of the nuts that that tree had are exposed in a perfect ring right below the tree. And then you got your pickers. You just, I mean, it's just, it is the hardest work. Just bending over, picking nuts all day. Dude, I just figured um, out the cure to all of this. You got to tell me in a minute. But so <laughs> when, I first, when I first got here, my grandpa, he's 87 now. So he was in not the world's best shape. He's been deteriorating, unfortunately, in his, in his brain himself. So he was getting overrun by his, his workers. And we have uh, seasonal migrant workers. So he had over 20 workers up here harvesting for him. That he was paying everybody $15 an hour to harvest for him. So the first year, I... I didn't know what I was doing. So I worked alongside that crew and worked with them. I couldn't, I realized that they were taking advantage of it, but I couldn't get rid of my crew. Cause then what am I going to do? So, um, the, by the second year I whittled down the crew to seven people instead of over 20. And that has tremendous. What I did is I cut the cost tremendously. So that's keeping us afloat right now. I'm able to break even, um, with having my family help out. I've got my brother coming out. My dad comes out. I friended, uh, I'll drop a name. My my buddy from Florida, Tyler from Surfer Blood, he's come out and helped. He comes out uh, for the whole harvest and helps. So I've dropped the cost of harvesting the nuts, and I only employ one crew now of seven people. And I, I run my own crew, and then I have another crew working too. So we have two crews at the same time, and we all handpick. Can I work um, for you? 
fifteen dollars an hour, dude. I'll be more than happy to pick up your nuts. Yeah, yeah, fifteen dollars an hour, eight hours straight of hand picking nuts. I don't, I think anybody understands quite how hard it is. But um, if you just want to sit there, stand up right now, and bend down on the ground and touch your toes, um, let's see how many nuts. I, I, my, I myself, I was curious, so I went out one day last year and harvested all by myself. Um, I did the whole process. And I got 12 trees done in one day, all by myself. And off of about 12 trees, um, each tree, I mean, each tree is different with nuts, but that, that only probably gave me about, uh, let's, let's say like, uh, I got about 250 pounds of nuts out of that, which is a half of a, a half of a bin. And that was eight hours straight all day. Unless 250 pounds of walnuts is going to be 13,000 walnuts. So in eight hours, I handpicked 13,000 walnuts. I had to bend over that long. And, and when you bend over, you keep the bucket between your legs and you stay bent over and you're just throwing the nuts in there. So, so when you have to stay bent over, and it's faster if you don't put your knee on the ground, without your knee on the ground all day picking nuts, oh my God, it destroys your back. Bro, I would reinvent that so, so easy. I did that at my job. Um, I used to work at a hotel. I don't know if you know what stripping a room is, but it's basically where you go and take all the sheets, take all the trash. And our rooms, we live in a beach town, so our rooms in the summer would be trash, like beer bottles, 80,000 of them. We were pulling giant, you know, like giant full-size garbage bags full of pizza boxes, like eight per room, dude. Condoms, pizza boxes all in the bed and shit. It's all terrible stuff. You got to take all the sheets, all everything, all the trash out. I at one point during the summer was the only houseman at our full hotel. I, the highest ever recorded for stripping a room for a houseman was probably maybe 60 something rooms. I did 216 all by myself. Wow. I did almost yeah, the baller, whole hotel. Man. Yeah. I, I mean, like, I, like I turned style. that, I turned that shit into a game. I was like, once I got a whole floor done, I was literally like, open up every single door. I'm going to work my way down. They're like, what? So I just, I was grabbing multiple carts. I mean, I was moving so fast. My radio, I threw it in the freaking cart. It was piled up under a bunch of linen. I didn't even respond to anybody. I was just going, dude, making a game out of it, seeing if I could beat my record. Didn't take lunch, didn't take anything. Worked all the way from 8 a.m. all the way until like 4 p.m., dude. I was busting ass. That's, that is outstanding. I love to hear that, man. Work hard and then play hard. And that's discipline right there, you know? And that's what I... That's what I grew up learning, fortunately. And a lot, of, a lot of the younger generation, I'm worried, is not learning this discipline of hard work, man. You can't just, you can't just party hard. You've got to work hard first. Really, first of all, it's like I've made it so I didn't need to ever ask anybody for help, mostly because I knew if I asked for help 100% of the time, I really never got it. Every, every time I've ever asked for it, it's just let me down. So I was like, learn to be very independent as a person. So I grew up kind of knowing that being like, if I can't do it myself, there's no point in doing it. So I kind of made it a game like that. But like, even with the nothing, you could, you know, I mean, if you want to be expensive about it, maybe hire an elephant to suck up all the peanuts for you. But the whole factor is you could employ, maybe start training. First of all, people train falcons to go hunting, to go receive things, little small falcons. You can train small dogs to go pick up the nuts for you and drop them into a bucket, maybe even spread it yeah, out. Yeah, I was even thinking, because I, I have a ground squirrel problem. Like the walnuts are worth so little money that, there's abandoned orchard after abandoned orchard where I'm living. There's, there's a 50 acre piece of walnuts right beside me that no one's harvested in over 20 or 30 years. The, the 20 acre piece that I harvest 
Nobody touched that in over 10 years until I moved here. I'm the one who cleaned it up. I bust my ass to harvest that piece. And I, I probably lost money in the deal that I did harvesting all of those nuts last year. But that's why I'm pressing my walnut oil because, I mean, I'm working farmer's markets. I made an incredible beard oil. If I can, if I can convert my farm operation into uh, a farmstead that welcomes people to come with this experience, help me farm. I've got quality farm products and just create this experience people can come and enjoy and experience something real. Then I'm going to get out of this, you know, uh, rut that I'm in of just barely breaking even because I, I, I don't want to go anywhere. I'm blessed to be here with this land and I just want to keep this land, but I got to do something, something. In my you know, marketing to, opinion, I would say that I don't, wouldn't bet on really walnuts making a giant break into just the social trends nowadays, even though kids are starting to bring back a lot of old style, healthy, weird options like boba tea and shit. But like what you're doing with the beard oil and what you, I think turning it into something is probably the best way to go. Beard yeah, oil just, is a good option. That is a good just, one. Just working farmer's markets last year, I sold over $250 of the bearded nut beard oil. That seems to be doing very well uh, my brother's in a heavy metal band nothing more he's a guitarist so last year i got them to launch their own beard oil that they made with me it's my recipe and i put that out there i've partnered with uh our extracts cbd company in austin texas uh, who's my brother-in-law my wife's sister's uh fiance or future brother-in-law so he's got a, a big cbd company down there so i've got walnut uh, cbd walnut oil infusion that's available in all 50 states online our extracts Damn, um, so I've got, how many times are you going to name drop, Alex? You might be living out in the country, but you're not short on the priors of dropping names. No, it's cool. But what I was saying was when it comes to like the walnuts, have you ever thought about maybe trying to switch off and branch into supplying maybe local bakeries or local mom and pop shops that might be using those things? I mean, what's the common thing that they use in the baking aisle? They pick up a pack of fucking Ray Fisher or whatever the hell it's called, pecans or some shit. Grab yes, walnuts. I, you're right. Unfortunately. Um, the Valley, all those millions of walnuts I told you about earlier, they're the ones keeping me out of that because you can go to Costco right now and get a bag of organic already shell walnuts for eight bucks, I think, out here. And that is insane. So that's what's driving uh, – I am I'm nobody in the walnut game, Rob. I am absolutely nobody with my 40,000 pounds that I harvest, you know. You're somebody to me. <laughs> well, I'm somebody to me too, but I'm just a little guy out here. I'm just representing the small farmer, you know, the homesteader. But you're uh, seeing a trend now where people are starting to look at those farm, those small town people. That's the whole point. Like for me, even asking you to be on here, the reason why I don't care if you plug a bunch of stuff, it's because I want to support you. I want to see your thing grow. I want people to understand that there's people like you and like me that understand how hard work is and to understand to get credit for it as well. You know how many people get passed by the big guy? Every fucking day it's that. Why don't we give the small people a shot? We're living in a world where entrepreneurs are taking over the world. Why don't we give more people a shot by just giving them a voice or giving them some time to tell them what they're doing? And that's how this country was built. That's exactly right. I'm telling you, we, you know, corporate America, it's got to be a more of a community now. I mean, more people need to start caring more for others. I think using technology is probably the best way that someone that's trying to be an entrepreneur can even start their company or get it really moving in the tracks. But you should try maybe infusing things with like, you know, I know some hot sauce people. I'll hook you up with some special people that would love to use your walnuts in their sauce. And then next thing you know, they're selling it in their sauce and they'll keep buying from you if you well, want that. See, 
that's that's the thing. I would love to be able to sell my walnuts to people, but that I have to make sure that I've already got that connection when I go into harvest. Because if I, let's say, I, okay, I I hold back my forty thousand pounds of walnuts and I decide not to sell them all at once and get one check, well, what if I I have to physically go out there and make sure that I'm actually honoring that these contracts are honored and people did buy my nuts. And how much more money am I really going to get from them than I would have in just a one-time deal where I could sell all my nuts? Boom. It's going it's you know? to so. take a it's going to take a while, but once you start the process of it, you'll have it already engaged and going yeah. in a chain. And, and I love that you're saying that, and that's my goal because I have something special. The walnuts that I have are the tastiest walnuts out there. Period, and nobody knows about them. So I'm just, I got to educate people about walnuts and I got to get my nuts out there. See, the difference is, especially in the walnut game, it's going to be a little bit difficult because of the whole allergic reaction, just the peanuts in general. Everybody tries to stay away from nuts in total. Like, oh no, I don't even care about fucking acorns. Don't bring that around. Oh yeah. And I got that on my beard oil. It says contains nuts, you know. (laughs) But I mean, I do, the amount of podcasts I've met through, like just with hot sauce people, I mean, amazing people. Um. I could hook you up with some people that want to create some spices if you want to ship them like a small sample of um, a little bit of maybe some of the stuff you have out there and let them try it into their hot sauce and see if it goes somewhere. Um, hey, that just, sounds that sounds great. I would love any kind of connection like that. Absolutely. Right. My sponsor, Two Angry Cats, would do that. I mean, people love hazelnut coffee. I got some coffee people I can throw your way too that could be able to. And well, them. what I've been so when I make when I press my walnut oil, I'm left with a byproduct of walnut flour. So I've actually sent my flour off to a few breweries around the country to try to, to see if it can be used in beer. And I actually did a collaboration, I'll name drop again, with Oliver Brewing in uh, Massachusetts. They made their 666th beer. The devil made me do it with my English walnuts. So that was pretty cool. I can, I mean, I know bakers. I've talked to so many people. That's why it was funny. I love it how you told me before the podcast, like, it's an hour conversation. Do you have questions? I'm like, it's conversation, man. Like, look how f- we talked almost for an hour and a half. You're telling me like you couldn't do it. You're acting like you couldn't even do 10 minutes. It's been a long, uh, it's a long time. It's been three years since I, since I taught PE and I was in front of a thousand people. So well, you're in front of one <laughs> right now. So that's how it works. Yeah. But I'm telling you, man, like I've met so many connections and stuff. I'll be more than happy to help you out. My buddy, Two Angry Cats, that sponsors the podcast with this hot sauce. I know some couple coffee brewers, like pour over coffee. I know a bunch of bakers that would love to maybe even try and incorporate into some cookies or cakes, man. We're all out here doing the same shit. We just need to find exactly. a way to work. Exactly. And I've, and I've got other. multiple and I've got multiple products for it. I've got the walnuts. I've got the oil. I've got the flour. I've even got walnut butter. So. Well, look, I appreciate you even coming out here and doing the podcast, man. I know it was, it was difficult at first trying to get it set up with the whole connection thing, but it sounds like you climbed a mountaintop because I can hear birds in the background, but I'm glad you came yeah. out and did it, Alex. Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me on, Rob. I really appreciate it. Now, this is the time I want to give you to plug all of your stuff, even though the audience has heard it multiple times, but it's okay. Let's, uh, let's get everything, your links, where people can buy your nuts in general, where people can see your nuts and where people can love your nuts. Uh, you can you can hit me up at thebeardednut at gmail.com. You can check out my website at thebeardednut.net or valleylongfarms.com. Currently, we're operating as Valalunga Ranch, which is my last name. Uh, my grandfather set up that operation in 1975, and I'm in the process of, of changing that name to Valley Long Farms, which our last name, Valalunga, means Long Valley. So it just makes sense, and Valley Long Farms has a nicer ring than... 
And it's better nobody, than Hidden Valley. Because nobody can pronounce my name right, not even me. So, exactly. But that's it. The, the Bearded Nut, check me out. I make badass beard oil with my walnut oil. Um, and it, it is, it does have a lovely, I describe it as a, a leather forest scent. I promise you will love my beard oil. Check it out. That really gave me a flashback to my grandfather describing his own nuts. He said that it has a leather texture to it. I said, okay. <laughs> well, you want to drop a nut reference in here on our way out? The more you nut, the bearded nut. Okay. I was about to say, if you ran out of nut references, that was going to be sad, but I appreciate no, you. No, my, my money grows on trees, man. It's cool. All right. I appreciate you uh, doing the podcast, and thanks so much for tuning in, and check out his nuts. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me on, Rob.